0: Welcome to Goop Tales. I'm Maria Calanchini, the founder, writer, and narrator behind these original audio stories. Goop Tales is a storytelling podcast for children created to ignite your imagination, broaden your horizons, and introduce you to different cultures and exotic animals, while also sparking important conversations about character traits. Now before we get into today's story, I have to say that today is very, very, very special because the first Gooptails book, the first printed book is up and ready to go and for sale. If you go to gooptales.com forward slash book, you will be able to get one. And the first 100 that I published are going to be personally signed by me, sent from my house. And then after that, I'm moving on to Amazon because it's much easier for me that way. And the first 100, unfortunately, I can only send them out in the US. So if you're US-based, please go get one and I will sign it for you. And for anybody that's international, the Amazon link will be up very shortly as well. And this is just the beginning because I have plans. The first five books, I have plans to put them up, including this one, on Amazon because they're fully illustrated. So the illustrations have already, been done, have already been done for these books. So you're going to be able to get the first five books very shortly, as soon as I get everything up there. But the first book is available now. This is the best way you can support me. There is no better way than to support Gooptails than buying a book. And you're supporting yourself when you do that. And let me tell you why. When you read, and I know a lot of you are new readers and some of you are very advanced readers, but I was just reading a study on reading or it's called Stolen Focus. And it was a study about how our focus is stolen because of screens. And all of you that are listening are growing up on screens. I did not grow up on screens. And so reading was a very different experience for me. But the study that I read, it said it's, an, it's a scientific study. So there's science behind it. And it said the gap in understanding between that which you learn on the, which you read on the screen and that which you read in a printed book is so large that in elementary school children, it's equal to two-thirds of a year's growth in comprehension. So basically, the understanding that you get from reading a book is much stronger than when you read something on screen. And I know most of you aren't reading on screen, you're reading books. And that's why I'm so excited to have this book and you will be able to listen to the podcast along with the book. For those of you that are learning to read, it's going to be really helpful. And you're going to learn some big, fun, new words. So please go to gooptales.com forward slash book. So excited. Okay, on to the story. This is Gooptails episode 120, Hacker and Fugaku, the Supercomputer. I did a lot of research for this story, and Fugaku is huge. It's a very real supercomputer that ta- that lives in Japan and takes up rooms and rooms and rooms of space, and you're going to learn all about it in this story. First, I want to thank Redding. Let's listen to Redding's voicemail here for the inspiration.
1: Hello. I was wondering if you... Could make a goop called Hacker. He carries around a little iPhone and loves to code robots and is a very good hacker. He also likes pranks and will prank call literally anyone. Please try and make him one of your next goop tales. Also, maybe Hacker could have a twin named... I don't know, maybe Coder? And Coder loves to code robots, and he carries around a little smartwatch with him so he can control his little robot that follows him everywhere. Also, I'd like for them to go to Jurassic Park and have a giant dinosaur adventure. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Reading.
0: I loved writing this story. I made a few changes from your suggestion. As you can see, we went to um, Japan, but it's very fun and super interesting and it's a different take. So let's get started with the story. Welcome to Goop Tales, episode 120 Hacker and Fugaku, the Super Computer. Hacker was such a clever little guy. If he didn't understand, he would always ask why. He lived in a world of his own making, due to his imagination, which was breathtaking. But when he went too far, he didn't look back. He went deep inside any machine, and he would hack. Chapter One Once upon a time, there was a very competent young goop named Hacker. Hacker was quite meticulous and precise about everything he did. In his room, each object had a place, and nothing was out of order. Books were lined up from biggest to smallest, and all of his action figures were placed perfectly on the shelves. Clothes were neatly put away into separate drawers, for pants, tops, and sweaters. Hacker liked order because it helped him to think more clearly and Hacker liked to think. Hmm. Every day, Hacker wore his glasses, his favorite black hoodie and jeans and sneakers. It was his uniform because he didn't want to think about what to wear. One of his favorite things to think about was computers. And another was prank calls. Hacker thought about hacking computers all the time. He loved the idea of being inside the brain of a computer and seeing what was going on. He also loved the idea of going into a computer that wasn't his and programming a little surprise. Once, his father was working on his laptop when the picture of a small cat popped up and started waving at him from his computer. Hacker's father burst out laughing because he knew immediately that it was Hacker who programmed the little cat. Hacker, you got me good, he called out, but be careful with your hacking. You can't go into computers that aren't yours. Hacker was down the hall in his room and heard his father calling out. He smiled and called back. Okay, I will only hack your computer. He listened as his father laughed from his study. (laughs) Hacker knew his father was right, so he kept his hacking to his own computer and his father's, of course. Hacker's parents gave Hacker an old iPhone that he was allowed to use so he could practice his computer skills. Hacker loved this phone so much, and he loved finding new ways to use it. One fine day, he pulled out his iPhone and decided that he was going to try and write a code that would control his toy robot, Archie. The only problem was that he needed a device to put inside Archie so that he could control him. He planned on using his iPhone as a remote control, but still needed another device that his iPhone could talk to. Hacker closed his eyes and thought for a minute. Then he shot up. That's it. I will ask Catastrophina to come over. She has that cracked tablet I can use. Hacker called Catastrophina, and she agreed to come over with her tablet in the hopes that Hacker would fix it. Hi, Hacker. Here's my tablet. I cracked it, but if you can fix it, you can use it, said Catastrophina, who was very good-natured, despite her ability to cause catastrophes everywhere. Thanks. This is perfect, said Hacker, taking the tablet. But before we get started on Archie, let's make a prank call, okay? Catastrophina clapped her hands together and laughed. Yes, please. She loved it when Hacker made prank calls because he was so good at it. Who should we call, asked Hacker. Without hesitation, Catastrophina said, Bad Maybe you can make her laugh. Hacker quickly called Bad moodia and disguising his voice said, Hello! I am looking for the happiest goop in Goop World. Is that you? Who is this? shot back Bad moodia with a tone in her voice. Well, you don't sound like the happiest goop. I need the happiest goop, because the happiest goop Goop has won a free ice cream down at the sweet shop, but I think I must have the wrong number. Badmudia wasn't sure what to say because she really did want an ice cream, but even she knew she wasn't the happiest goop. Um, well, I am happy, but not all the time. Sometimes I'm in a bad mood, replied Badmudia. At this point, Catastrophina was stifling her giggles and was about to burst out laughing. So Hacker hung up the phone and the two of them fell into fits of laughter. When they finally gathered themselves, Hacker said, Come on, we need one more phone to help with the programming of Archie. I'm going to hack my mother's phone. Catastrophina's eyes grew wide. And she said, aren't you going to get in trouble breaking into your mother's phone? She won't know, said Hacker. And then he snuck downstairs and got his mother's phone. There was a password lock on the phone. Catastrophina watched and looked around to make sure no one was coming. She was worried. Hacker started pressing buttons trying to hack the security code. I don't think you should do that, said Catastrophina. Hacker didn't listen to her. He was too busy trying different combinations of numbers. And then the phone opened up. But instead of seeing all the apps, there was a string of code in black and white. Catastrophina watched as the code swirled around and came out of the phone like a lasso, wrapped itself around Hacker, and pulled him into the phone. He was gone. Chapter Two. The sound of keyboard strokes and computers whirring surrounded Hacker as he circled around a black whirlpool with tiny white spots. Squeezing his eyes shut, all Hacker could see was computer code everywhere. The code flew through his brain and then letters started to pop out at him. F, said Hacker as it flew by. The letters kept coming and the next one Popped out at him. You, he said. Then the next one came. G said Hacker. He was lining up the flying letters in his brain. Then came A, K, and U. And then the letters stopped flying. Fugaku, said Hacker aloud. Wait, I know Fugaku said Hacker as he thought back to a computer science class he had taken from Miss Wigglebutt. Class, one of the fastest supercomputers in the world is called Fugaku after Mount Fuji. Hacker could hear Miss Wigglebutt's voice in his head. I'm inside Fugaku, said Hacker to himself, half astonished, half delighted. At that exact moment, Hacker opened his eyes and the black whirlpool disappeared. He was sitting on the floor of a cool, dark room. There was a low humming sound in the background. Hacker stood up and stared at what was in front of him. There were rows and rows of colossal computer racks connected together. He was in a massive room with hundreds of computer racks towering over him. Hacker pinched himself to make sure he wasn't imagining anything. Then he walked over and placed his palm flat against the outside of one of the racks. It was cool and hard and Hacker could feel a certain sort of magic as he touched it. He whispered, Fugaku, I'm Hacker. And he said it with the utmost respect. Hacker was positive this was Fugaku. He remembered Miss Wigglebutt saying how Fugaku was made up of 432 computer racks and took up the space of two school gyms. Fugaku was used to map out escape routes for earthquakes and tsunamis. It was used for climate change and to help solve the coronavirus spreading, amongst many other important computations. Now, Hacker was here inside of Fugaku. Fugaku continued to hum as Hacker walked around from row to row of computer racks. They all looked the same, but each rack had a little number on its base. Hacker walked up to rack number 198 and stared at it. It looked like all the others and Hacker could see hundreds of little green lights through the doors of the rack. Green lights indicating that everything was working well. When Hacker saw computers, something overtook him. He couldn't control himself, and all he wanted to do was touch the computer, push its buttons and take it apart and see what was inside. He felt the same way about Fugaku, even though it was so enormous. Looking around, Hacker saw a few doors behind him, but they were closed and all was quiet except for the humming of Fugaku. Ever so slowly and quietly, Hacker reached out to the bottom of the glass door on computer rack number 198 and pulled at it. The door was heavy for Hacker, so he planted his feet firmly and used two hands and pulled again at the door. Surely, he thought, this door must be locked, but he couldn't help but try one more time. He pulled as hard as he could this time, and the door started to open. Hacker stared in disbelief, and then he pulled harder as the door swung open. Hacker found himself face to face with the insides of the biggest supercomputer in the world. His mind was so boggled he couldn't think straight. Reaching out, Hacker touched one of the CMUs, which was a board inside known as the CPU memory unit. Each rack held dozens of CMUs, and they all had green lights indicating everything was working well as Fukaku worked on the problems of the world. Overcome by his love of computers, Hacker clenched his hand around one of the CPU boards and pulled it out of the rack. For a moment, all was silent, and then Hacker watched as the green light near the board turned orange. And then he heard a strange sound. Hacker turned around and saw the door behind him. There was a red light over it, and it was sending off an alarm. Chapter 3 For a moment in time, Hacker froze as he stared down at the CPU board he was holding. He knew he shouldn't have pulled it from the rack, but he was overtaken by his compulsion to hack. Staring back up at the rack with the missing board, Hacker watched as the orange light blinked ferociously, almost as if it was begging Hacker to fix the situation to replace the board and turn the light green again. But Hacker knew it was too late. Even if he replaced the board, the alarm was triggered. What Hacker didn't know was who would respond to the alarm. There wasn't time to think. Hacker was sure that the door would burst open at any minute Hacker held the CPU board tightly and ran. He ran down the rows of rocks, holding all of Fugaku's brain while holding a little piece of it in his hand. After running through 10 rows of Fugaku, Hacker had to stop to catch his breath. He had no idea where he was running to, or what, or who he was running from. When he stopped, he realized that the alarm was no longer ringing. Hacker heard the constant buzzing of Fugaku in the background. He pricked his ears, listening for more, because surely the alarm had been answered. For a short while, there was nothing but the buzzing of Fugaku. And then he heard it. From behind several racks, Hacker heard the opening and closing of a door. The door with the alarm. Hacker peeked around the corner of one of the racks, but he couldn't see anything other than more racks. Rack number 198 was far away and around the corner. Hacker heard a noise and jumped back in the row he was hiding in. Listening, he heard robotic sounds. A few beeps, then a whirring sound, then the opening of a rack door, and then a few more beeping sounds. Hacker had no idea what was happening, but something else was inside Fugaku. And it was quite likely this thing could come after him. Staring down at the CPU board he was holding, Hacker felt badly. He had quite literally torn this board from its happy home where it lived inside of Fugaku and was part. Of a supercomputer. Why did I take you out? thought Hacker. He didn't dare speak aloud for fear that he would be heard. The instant he had this thought, Hacker looked at the CPU board he was holding and noticed that a tiny little green light began to blink as if it were responding to Hacker. An idea dawned on Hacker and he held the board and thought to himself, can you hear me? The board blinked twice as if to say yes. Hacker wanted to jump up and down and do a happy dance. He couldn't believe that he was communicating by thought with Fugaku but he repressed his urge to dance. I need to get you back to your rack, thought Hacker. And the board blinked twice in agreement. Can you help me? thought Hacker. And the board blinked twice again to say yes. Who is in here with me? Are they dangerous? thought Hacker the board quickly blinked orange flashes. Hacker knew that meant that something else was in Fugaku with them and that it was dangerous. Being mindful of his thoughts, Hacker thought, Do you know who else is here inside with us? The board blinked two green flashes. Yes. And it's After me, thought Hacker. Again, two green flashes. Yes. Uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this, thought Hacker, as he looked with panic at the CPU board. It did nothing. No flashes. Then he heard it again. The beeping worry, mechanical sound, and this time it sounded closer. Hacker tried to stop his mind from racing. He knew he had to be calm and think smart when in a dangerous situation. At least that is what his parents had always told him. Is there a way out of this, he thought. The board blinked a green light twice. Yes. In his head, Hacker heard Miss Wigglebutt saying, there is always a way. And he felt a little better. But then it came again. The whirring sound, the robotic sounds, the beeping sounds, and they sounded so close. Hacker stood up knowing he had to move. Quietly, he walked down to the end of the row he was in. And ever so carefully, he peeked his head around the corner as he clutched the CPU board. And there it was, staring back at him. Chapter four. Hacker saw what looked like a giant glass eyeball just a few feet away. It was attached to a small robot on wheels that wasn't much taller than Hacker. It said Rambo across the chest of the robot. The eyeball extended from Rambo on a long, bending piece of metal. There was a camera inside the glass eyeball, as well as some sort of scanning device. Staring in disbelief, Packer was immobilized for just a moment. But then he realized that Rambo was looking for him. Packer jumped back behind the rack, but it was too late. Rambo's glass eyeball had spotted him. Rambo sprung to life and all sorts of whirring sounds occurred. His scanner started flashing red and then Rambo began to move. His wheels glided along the floor quickly in the direction that Hacker had disappeared in. Rambo turned the corner and thrust out his glass eye into the row where he had just seen Hacker. There was nothing but a long line of racks full of blinking CMUs. They were all blinking green. Rambo stopped for a moment and slowly began to move down the row, scanning each rack with his glass eyeball as if he was looking for something. Meanwhile, Hacker had run as quickly and quietly and far away as he could. He passed row after row of Fugaku's racks, and they all looked the same. Finally, Hacker stopped to catch his breath. And when his heart had settled down, he listened carefully. Silence at first. And then he heard it. Rambo sounded far away, but Hacker could hear him scanning, moving, moving closer. Hacker held up his CPU board and looked at it. He had grown very fond of CPU board M015 from rack number 198. He thought of it like it was his pet, but it was not his pet. I need to put you back in your rack, don't I? Thought Hacker. CPU board M015 blinked twice in green. Yes. If I do that, will I be able to get back home? Thought Hacker. Again, CPU board M015 blinked two green blinks. Yes. Hacker quietly crept to the edge of the row he was in and looked for the row number. He was in row number four. 401. He was 200 rows away from the home of CPU board M015. And Rambo was somewhere between him and row number 198. What am I gonna do? thought Hacker. He looked down at CPU board. M015, nothing. Hacker reached up and adjusted his glasses. He always adjusted his glasses when he had to think hard. Suddenly, CPU board M015 started to blink green wildly. Hacker took his hand away from his glasses and looked down at it, perplexed. CPU board M015 immediately stopped blinking. Hacker thought for a moment and then reached up and touched his glasses again. CPU board M015 began to blink rapidly again. Hacker took his hands off his glasses and CPU board M015 stopped blinking. Should I use my glasses? Glasses, thought Hacker. CPU board M015 blinked two green blinks. Hacker burst into a wide smile. He was in heaven, being able to thought communicate directly with a CMU. Hacker's dream state was broken a moment later when he heard Rambo who sounded much closer. Rambo had picked up his speed and was rapidly scanning every row of racks as he made his way towards Hacker. He wasn't going to let any other intruders slip by him. Hacker crept to the edge of row 401 and peeked around the corner towards the direction of Rambo. He saw nothing. Hold on, here we go, thought Hacker. CPU board M015 blinked three green blinks as if to say, Wahoo! Hacker removed his glasses, put them on the ground, and slid them as hard and as fast as he could in the opposite direction of row number 198. The glasses whizzed down the cool, dark flooring, going on and on past rack after rack until finally they hit a wall, made a clacking sound, and then stopped sliding. Hacker silently moved deep into row 401 and waited. He listened. Silence except for the background noise of Fukaku, And then, there it was. Rambo was whirring and beeping, and then speeding and speeding. Rambo whizzed right past row number 401 in pursuit of the glasses. The moment Rambo passed, hacker clutched CPU board M015 and ran like the wind past 202 rows of Fugaku until he reached row number 198. He was so out of breath he collapsed right in front of the door of CPU Board M015's home. CPU Board M015 blinked an orange light furiously as Hacker sat slumped on the ground. Finally, the blinking light caught Hacker's attention, and he sat up. Then he looked down at the end of row 198 and saw Rambo's extended glass eye shoot around the corner. Without wasting a second, Hacker popped up and whipped open the rack door and shoved CPU board M015 into his home in Fugaku. He had to wiggle CPU board M015 for a few seconds in order to get it back in securely. And Rambo came within inches of Hacker. But just as Rambo reached out his arm to grab Hacker, Hacker snapped CPU board M015 into place and vaporized. Rambo went haywire And all of his lights started firing. But that was no worry of Hacker's. Hacker had materialized back in his bedroom in Goop World. He reached for his glasses, but they weren't there. Then Hacker remembered it all. Fugaku, he sighed. I've got to find Catastrophina and tell her all about Fugaku. She is never going to believe it. He set off to find Catastrophina, but she was nowhere to be found. She was in Costa Rica, being chased by a monkey, but that is a tale for another time. I hope you enjoyed taking that trip to the insides of Fugaku and learning a little bit more about a supercomputer. And now I'm just gonna wrap up this podcast with two or three things I need to tell you. One is there is going to be a in-person meetup for those in the Bay Area. A couple of you have written me. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen in April, probably early April. I don't know exact dates and, and place yet. So I will make sure and let you know Please write me to maria at if you want to partake in that meetup in the Bay Area and just make sure you're on the mailing list. That's the easiest way to get notified of everything because I'll be sending it out to the mailing list. Secondly, for those of you who have written into me and asked me why I haven't made your goop idea into Gooptail yet, it's not because um, I don't love your idea. I love them all. I love listening to them all it's because I have a list of almost a thousand goops and I can only write one book at a time. But I promise you, I listen to every single voice message and I keep track of every single idea and you never know when it might pop up. In the meanwhile, I hope you're enjoying the other goop tales and there's gonna be books, books, and books. So, make sure you go to gooptails.com forward slash book so you can get the very first published Gooptails book. And I will sign it for you if you're one of the very first ones. All right, that's it for this episode. I will see you in the next Gooptail.